0: How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider myself a relatively hard-working person.
1: I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, income. We We can pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations.
0: The Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance, and principles. You can follow the stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms.
2: Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world this is the beijing hour one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday
3: now here's your host shane Begum matthew on this tuesday june 27 2023 you're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, the Chinese premiers addressed the opening of the World Economic Forum's summer Davos meeting in Tianjin. Russia's president's given Wagner Group fighters three options following the incident over the weekend. A world internet conference in China is focusing on the rapid development of artificial intelligence. In business, China's liquefied natural gas deal with Qatar. In sports, Team China's decisive victory at the Women's Basketball Asian Cup in Culture and Entertainment, a children's art festival in Beijing. And now the day's top stories. Chinese Premier Li Cheng says the country has the confidence and capability to achieve steady and sustained high-quality development. He was addressing the summer Davos gathering in the northern Chinese city of Tianjin. The Premier also underscored openness and cooperation. Guan Xin has more.
4: Premier League emphasized openness and cooperation, and these are seen as a key to solving global problems as we face multiple crises from geopolitical conflicts and climate change to food and security, uh, supply chain disruptions. And, uh, and he also says China is capable of maintaining its rapid economic growth, and it is ready to share its development opportunities with the world.
5: We are completely-
2: We have full confidence in the ability to push China's economy toward high quality development and walk a stable and sustainable path in the long run. This would include a continuous expansion of the market, enhanced cooperation, and creating opportunities for the recovery of the world economy and chances for investors from all countries.
4: And I have spoken to many participants at the forum, and they all agree that countries should rise above their differences and seek win win cooperation. While confrontation and fragmentation of the global economy could cost up to 7% of the global GDP, and that was according to some authoritative predictions, according to the IMF. MF and the most vulnerable countries and people are suffering will be suffering the most. And there is an urgent need to promote openness and cooperation and they hope to explore more cooperation opportunities with China and welcome China's message of high level opening up. And Premier Li's message that China is willing to share development opportunities with the world is also well received by participants and that China's rebound from the pandemic will create enormous demand and business opportunities for the world. And China alone would contribute about one third of global growth, and that is about one trillion US dollars, a huge potential to tap into.
3: That was Guan Xin reporting. And echoing uh, Premier Li's call for openness is World Trade Organization Director General Ngozi Okonjo-Aewala. She's among the more than 1,500 world leaders, policymakers, and business executives attending the summer Davos in Tianjin. Speaking exclusively uh, with CGTN host uh, Wang Guan, okonjo iweala said that openness is one very important part in the uh, Chinese path to modernization.
6: That kind of openness and transparency is part of the new way China's model is working and China wants to do business. And I strongly want to encourage it because I think the more open China is, the more trust, the more investment will come in. Um, we also need to think about uh, China's model of trying to invest in other countries. And I would strongly
3: encourage The WTO chief earlier held talks with the Chinese premier and said, the WTO looks forward to building a stronger partnership with China to safeguard the multilateral trade system. New Zealand's prime minister is also in China for an official visit and to attend the gathering in Tianjin. On the sidelines of the discussions, Chris Hipkins dropped by a local supermarket to find out how imports from his home country are received in China. Uh, Xu Xinchen has more.
1: Kiwi, an iconic fruit from New
2: Zealand. And incredibly popular right now in China, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, Chris Hipkins, who is attending this year's Summer Davos in Tianjin, paid a special visit to this supermarket to find out how popular products from New Zealand are in China.
7: So, just as good as that. So,
2: Prime Minister, how confident
8: are you for like more products like this will come to China to reach customers here in China? We certainly hope so. And uh, We've got a, a number of New Zealand businesses who are focused on producing really high-value products, um, and we'd love to sell them more of them in China.
2: Boosting trade relations between China and New Zealand is on the top of the agenda for Hipkins' visit, as well as upgrading agreements under the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership RCEP.
5: We have a very big uh, uh, ratio of China in the KV variety. this uh, fruit fruit uh, to extend our business in China, to invest a lot, uh, invest more in China. The Chinese economy uh, developed very well, so more and more people have
9: money, and they want to buy uh, good quality fruit and, uh, uh, and foods from New Zealand. China now accounts for a quarter
2: of exports from New Zealand and Chinese tourists continue to be the second largest tourism group to New Zealand. So cooperation instead of confrontation can help both countries to grow.
3: That was Xu Xinchen reporting. The host city of the summer Davos is known as uh, the birthplace of modern industry in China, and it's now growing as a high-end or rather high-tech manufacturing and logistics hub that's drawn much foreign investment. Uh, Juju spoke with some of the investors.
10: Vitesco Technologies, founded in Germany, is a world-class automotive technology manufacturer. For nearly three decades, it has been running one of its key branches in Tianjin. To boost innovation, the company opened a research and development center in Tianjin in 2021 to conduct experiments and boost production.
11: Around the 500 uh, uh, electrified talents are uh, expected to set their home here. Uh, so China is uh, taking a uh, uh, leading position uh, in terms of uh, Uh, technology innovation and also uh, electrification. Vitesco Technologies has also
10: worked with many Chinese leading new energy vehicle companies such as Xpeng and Great Wall Model.
11: In China, we have invested more than 500 million euros in the past three years in electrification arena. As the largest uh, uh, automotive market, uh, we have pretty high confidence that uh, the Chinese market uh, will play a leading role uh, in the electrification
10: transformation. So far, about 270 of the 500 global Fortune companies have invested in the city. An aircraft manufacturing giant, Airbus, is one of them. It made its foray into Tianjin in 2006. In line with China's goal of achieving carbon neutrality by 2060, it recently just delivered an Airbus aircraft, the A321 Neo, produced in its Tianjin factory to a European airline. The airplane will be using 10% of a sustainable fuel blend. This is the first time Airbus has delivered a made in China aircraft to a European customer.
1: We have started to widely use sustainable fuel in our factory as well as in our commercial operations. We have also started a recycling project for the handling of old aircraft. We hope to promote cross-industry cooperation and build a green ecosystem for sustainable development.
10: According to data from the Tianjin government, in the past about a decade, about 8,000 foreign companies have invested in the city, with an annual growth rate of over 6%. This has made Tianjin one of the top eight cities in the country in terms of scale of foreign investment.
3: That was Juju reporting from Tianjin. Coming up, Russia's three options for fighters involved in the Wagner Group incident.
12: Deep, deep Dive and a podcast, podcast of CGT Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations.
3: Nine minutes past the hour. Russian President Vladimir Putin's given Wagner Group fighters the options to join the military, return to their families, or go to Belarus. Uh, The leader of the mercenary group says he acted to protect his members and not to oust Putin. Dasha Chernyshova has more from Moscow.
6: The Russian president has addressed the nation saying late night that armed rebellion would have been quelled anyway. He said he was directly involved in decision making to avoid the bloodshed and that took time including for those involved to sober up their minds.
13: I once again appeal to all citizens of Russia, thank you for your endurance, unity and patriotism. This civic solidarity has shown that any attempt to blackmail us and spur internal chaos are doomed.
6: He said the overwhelming majority of the Wagner fighters are real patriots and may now join the Russian army. But he accused the organizers of the rebellion of betraying the country. This statement by the Russian president follows earlier comments made by the Wagner boss, Prigozhin. in his first public comments since leaving the city of Rostov on Don on Saturday, boss said his much of justice, as he describes it, had not been intended to overthrow the Russian government. Prigozhin said his troops had not signed contracts with Russia's Ministry of Defense. He didn't say where he was or what his future plans are. Russian authorities insist the international leaders have supported Moscow in this difficult time, with President Putin holding phone conversations with Iranian and Qatari counterparts. And Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov also said that he was supported by his international colleagues over the weekend. He also said that during the contacts on the situation with the U.S. ambassador to Russia, Lynn Tracy, she expressed hope that Russia's nuclear weapons will be fine and called the matter an internal one for Russia. Lavrov added that Russian special services are investigating if Western special services were involved in June 24 events.
3: That was Dasha Chernyshova reporting. In Greece, Conservative leader Kyriakos Mitsotakis has begun his second term as Prime Minister after his New Democracy party stormed a victory in a repeat parliamentary election. Mitsotakis finished with a comfortable lead over his main opponent. The Prime Minister is promising major reforms. Evangelos Sipsis has more from Athens.
12: Accompanied by his wife and children, New Democracy leader Kyriakos Mitsotakis met Greece's president Katerina Sakhleropoulou to be sworn in While it usually takes few days for all the protocols to be completed, the new Greek Prime Minister is eager to get it done as soon as possible, something he mentioned overnight after his emphatic win.
8: The responsibility I have on my shoulders is very heavy, but tonight is a night of happiness and celebration. From Monday we have to roll up our sleeves and continue the hard work. And that
12: hard work seems to have paid off as Greeks were convinced enough to trust him with their vote and elect Mitsotakis for a second four-year term. The Conservative Party secured a total of 158 seats allowing it to form a majority government with the main opposition, the left-wing Syriza party, led by Alexis Tsipras, far behind with 48 seats. This second round of elections came in the wake of the shipwreck where 82 people lost their lives and hundreds still missing at sea. But voters seemed more focused on the prime minister's past record.
0: Mitsotakis has promised changes and new policies. His plan is very precise and describes exactly what he will do and how he will do it. He's increased wages in the past. Public and private sectors. He's created a stronger nation. Now he's pledging to update the health care system. We'll have to wait and see.
12: It is the first time since 1974 that there has been such a big difference between the first two parties. And while both leaders push for reforms such as rebuilding Greece's credit rate, boosting the tourism industry, creating more jobs, and increasing minimum wages. Greeks seemed to punish opposition Syriza party, which collected less votes than the first round. As temperatures rise in the country, so too is the political temperature. With more than eight parties in parliament coming from very different political spectrums, many are suggesting that Mitsotakis' job will be even more difficult this time.
3: That was Evangelo Sipsis reporting. Local media say the operator of Japan's Fukushima nuclear power plant has completed the construction of a system to release nuclear-contaminated water from the facility into the sea. Tokyo Electric Power Company has reportedly placed a cover on the tunnel's outlet to prevent the ingress of mud and sand. The Japanese government will decide the time of a discharge based on the Nuclear Regulation Authority's inspection and a safety report by the International Atomic Energy Agency. Japan's dumping plan has met with strong opposition from civic groups and fishery industries both at home and abroad. A United Nations official is calling on the U.S. government to apologize for its treatment of Guantanamo Bay inmates. Special Rapporteur Fionnula ni Alain, uh, said after a visit to the facility that breaching fundamental human rights does not make the world safer. Jody Jacobs has more from New York.
7: In releasing a report, the UN Special Repertoire said that the U.S. government's treatment of Guantanamo Bay inmates was cruel, inhumane and degrading under international law.
14: Torture was a betrayal of the victims of 9-11. It limited their capacity to have trial. It limited their capacity to have legal proceedings. And that's evident already. We've been in pre-trial proceedings in Uh, in various trials for now almost a decade and of course if we name significantly what's preventing legal proceeding it is the fact of torture.
7: The United Nations has called for Washington to apologize and to provide reparations not only to the 9-11 detainees but to the families of the victims of 9-11 as well as previous detainees. Nia Olin said now that she has concluded her visit to the U.S. facility, she will be requesting other member states to give her access to theirs. The
14: cost of torture is an annihilation of the rights of the victims of terrorism. And those who perpetrate it must live with the moral cost and the moral harm that they have perpetrated, particularly on the victims of torture.
7: This was the first time, according to the United Nations, that a UN expert was allowed to visit Guantanamo Bay. She said that the vast majority of former detainees continue to experience sustained human rights violations and that the U.S. government must be held accountable. The Special Repertoire's report also detailed many structural shortcomings that included training, operating procedures and the fulfillment of detainees' rights to health care Family Council and Justice. That
3: was Jody Jacobs at United Nations. You're listening to the Beijing Hour coming up, the World Internet Conference in
4: China. Want to learn about world affairs in a more laid back and accessible manner? Join insiders, experts, and analysts in the casual setting of the chat lounge to hear their personal experiences and opinions on major events and hot issues. Subscribe to Chat Lounge for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
3: 17 minutes past the hour. A World Internet Conference in China is focusing on the rapid development of artificial intelligence. Participants are trying to strike a balance between the benefits of AI and its potential dangers. Rai Shui has more from Shandong Province.
15: Can artificial intelligence pose a threat to humans? With advancing technology becoming more ingrained in our daily lives, concerns arise about the potential dominance of AI over our civilization. This topic was a focal point of discussion at the World Internet Conference Nishan Dialogue on Digital Civilization.
5: In today's digital age, leveraging the wisdom and insights gained from over 5,000 years of Chinese civilization is crucial in promoting the development of AI technology and advancing human civilization. Our aim is to foster constructive dialogues that can facilitate the exploration of practical global paradigms for AI governance.
15: The birthplace of Confucius more than 2,500 years ago sets a stage for the inaugural Nishan Dialogue hosted by the World Internet Conference in Shandong province. Participants from around the world will engage in a range of discussions on topics like establishing secure and trustworthy AI, revitalizing industries with AI, and human civilization in the AI age. The goal is to gain valuable insights into how AI can shape the future of the digital world.
3: There are competitions among companies and nations, however, ultimately these competitions stem from distinct cultures, thus I'm excited about the integration of different technologies and cultures.
5: I think AI could be useful, it's in coding experiences, you know, for example, helping teachers to transform experiences into lessons.
15: AI has seamlessly integrated into our daily lives, transforming how we live, work and interact. The recent rise of generative AI, like ChatGPT, has left people amazed by such technology's fast processing and remarkable data analysis capabilities. Yet, as with any emerging technology, concerns and inquiries arise regarding the use, dissemination, benefits and drawbacks of AI. By increasing accessibility to information and services, there is optimism about how AI can create a more just and inclusive society.
3: That was Xiaot Ray Shui reporting. The incorporation of artificial intelligence into classrooms has transformed the traditional way of learning and teaching in China. From learning platforms that personalize curriculum based on individual performance to chatbots that provide instant feedback and support, AI is making education more accessible, efficient, and captivating. Zheng Tao has the latest.
1: Improving efficiency is the most visible impact brought by AI. The groundbreaking technology has not only enabled teachers to enhance their teaching methods but also helped students to develop skills that will better propel them for success in society. Han from iFlytech, a pioneering tech enterprise in the sector, says the company has already applied various AI-powered technologies in classrooms.
5: We combined big models and the virtual avatar technologies to create virtual teachers such as Einstein. Students' imaginations are infinite, but teachers always with limited knowledge. By making virtual teachers such as Einstein, students can always get an answer from the teacher.
1: One of the key benefits of AI in education is its ability to analyze vast amounts of data to identify patterns and trends, By incorporating virtual reality and augmented reality technologies, educators can create engaging and interactive learning experiences that promote hands-on learning and foster creativity. AI-powered virtual assistants and chatbots can also provide support to students, answering questions, provide guidance, and even great assignments.
5: (laughs) In our Smart Classroom program, learners and teachers can simply use a tablet to get access to abundant education resources and perform teaching practice. This approach can fundamentally improve the teaching efficiency in classrooms. Big data can precisely assign suitable homework for students and evaluate the whole teaching process.
1: The tech company has so far provided AI-powered services to over 50,000 public schools across China, with significant improvement in delivering targeted assignments to students. Song Yuanchao is a former senior executive of New Oriental Education. He is now developing a wide range of online courses using AI tools.
5: In the past, it would take about one or two months to create a curriculum, Now we can design a curriculum in just three to five days. AI is involved in every step, from generating a basic outline to developing specific content. Real persons oversee the process and select content that aligns with their expertise and preferences.
1: The popularity of AI-powered courses is evident in the thousands of online curricula that have been sold by the developer. Song says AI has opened up new possibilities as educators continue to discover innovative ways to leverage this technology and enhance
12: knowledge.
5: Many of our customers are using AI for family education, teaching parents how to educate their children. The method will also help foster children's curiosity and encourage them to ask questions.
1: While there are still challenges to be addressed, such as data privacy and security, Hamon with iFly Tech says the potential benefits of AI in education are undeniable. He believes that AI is poised to play an increasingly significant role in shaping the future of education. For the Beijing Hour, this is Jiang Tao.
3: China has issued an alert for high temperatures that could exceed 40 degrees Celsius in parts of the country, including Beijing, Tianjin, and Hebei. In the meantime, heavy downpours are expected to hit areas, including northwest China and the Sichuan Basin this week. Heavy rains have triggered floods, which inundated farmland, disrupted traffic, and left residents stranded. A heat wave has persisted through much of the U.S. northeast and into the southern regions. More than 90 million people across the country are under heat alerts. The severe weather conditions are making the journey to the U.S. border even more difficult for migrants. Alistair Baberstock has their story.
13: After two months of tough overland travel, Antonio Pinedo, a U.S.-bound migrant from Venezuela, is nearly there. He's just arrived in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, across the border from El Paso, Texas. But given the current weather, this final stop on his long journey north may be the
16: hardest.
3: The current heat wave we're
16: living through is terrible. There's a water shortage, we get dehydrated, and that gives you headaches and makes you vomit. And the sunburn, my lips are totally burned.
13: A record-breaking heat wave here is now entering its third week. Temperatures are forecast to rise this week as high as 43 degrees Celsius, a scorching 108 Fahrenheit and with the migrant shelters of Ciudad Juarez filled past capacity, makeshift tents provided by the local government are providing life saving shade for the most vulnerable. But even inside a tent, the midday heat is unbearable. Junior Vasquez has been at the border for six months. He says the past few weeks have been the worst of his stay.
0: Inside the tent, it's like an oven, and we're all inside melting like butter. You can't sleep, you can't do anything. We're like zombies. Not even in the hottest part of Venezuela do we get heat like this.
13: However, migrants like Junior must risk going out into the heat to provide for their families. We go
0: out to work, to earn money to eat, but I've nearly fainted being outside in this heat. My body clams up, I get shivers, I can't walk. You have to find a bit of shade to rest under because you feel you're going to faint.
16: Lugar,
7: uh,
13: James Yong is the director of the United Nations High Commission for Refugees field office in Ciudad Juarez and says the changing global climate is only going to make migration more challenging. Divided into two immediate factors one, one is displacement itself. You know, there are more and more. Um, natural disasters that are causing displacement. But the second is that it's, it's harder and harder to make a safe journey and arrive safely and integrate safely. Despite the extreme weather, migrants continue to arrive here in this desert border region. They say overall conditions are worse in the countries they are fleeing.
3: That was Alistair Baverstock at the U.S.-Mexico border. Well, climate change is taking its toll on the landscapes of Shounter Valley in Pakistan-controlled Kashmir. The valley used to be covered by forests, waterfalls and glaciers. Local uh, volunteer Muhammad Lukman is worried that rising temperatures are causing the glaciers to melt.
8: Consider the rate at which glaciers are melting. I fear that if this glacier bursts, as it did in Gilgit, Baltistan last year, and a flood
3: occurred in Pakistan, 15,000 people in this area would be in danger. Flash floods swept away most of the infrastructure in Shanter Valley, damaging crops and homes and causing land erosion. Villagers in the valley noticed flood water quickly rising in the stream that runs by their homes carrying water from its towering glacier. Last year's flood swept away bridges,
1: residential houses, land and everything. There has been heavy snowfall on the mountains this year. If the glaciers burst again this year and there's a flood, the remaining
3: village will be washed away. We have no one to rely on. Just sitting there with Allah's help, well, apart from the polar regions, Pakistan counts more glaciers than anywhere else in the world. Data from UNDP showed that uh, more than 3,000 lakes had formed as, uh, as of 2018 due to melting glaciers in Pakistan. 33 of them were considered hazardous and sev- uh, more than 7 million people are at risk downstream. We're at 28 past the hour. Beijing's at 26 degrees overnight tomorrow. uh, Light rain turning to cloudy with a high of uh, 31 degrees. Chongqing's at 28 overnight. Uh, Tomorrow, overcast turning to moderate rainfall in 34. Lass is 14 this evening. Showers turning to light rain in 24. Hong Kong's at 27 tonight, then uh, tomorrow cloudy in 32 degrees. Elsewhere, Tokyo's 23 overnight uh, tomorrow. We'll have a light rain in 30. Islamabad's at 21 this evening, then uh, some rain. Rainfall in 34 degrees Celsius. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, the Chinese premiers addressed the opening of the World Economic Forum's summer Davos meeting in Tianjin. Russia's president's given Wagner Group fighters three options following the incident over the weekend. And uh, a world internet conference in China is focusing on the rapid development of artificial intelligence. Shane Biggum with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour.
12: You're listening to the Beijing Hour. 60 minutes of comprehensive news. Your window on China and the world.
2: Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host,
3: Shane Begum, with you on this Tuesday. Still to come in business, China's liquefied natural gas deal with Qatar. In sports, team China's decisive victory at the Women's Basketball Asian Cup. In culture and entertainment, a children's art festival in Beijing. To contact us, you can email BeijingHour at cri.com.cn. Now checking the day's headlines, Premier Li Chung says China remains confident of achieving its economic growth target, speaking at the World Economic Forum's annual meeting of the new champions, also known as the Summer Davos. The premier said China's high-quality developmental aid global recovery. We have full
2: confidence in the ability to push China's economy toward high-quality development and walk a stable and sustainable path in the long run. This would include a continuous expansion of the market, enhanced cooperation, and creating opportunities for the recovery of the world economy and the chances for investors from all countries.
3: Well, during his address, Premier Li also urged countries to cherish openness and cooperation, peace and stability, and work in solidarity. More than 1,500 business elites, academics, and government officials from nearly 100 countries and regions are gathering at the Summer Davos in the northern Chinese city of Tianjin. Russian Prime Minister Mikhail Mishustin has called for his cabinet members to stand united behind President Vladimir Putin, following what authorities call a mutiny by the Wagner Group over the weekend. The Kremlin said it's made a deal with the mercenary group's leader to move to Belarus in exchange for amnesty. In his first statement since the abortive movement toward Moscow, uh, Wagner boss Yevgeny Prigozhin said it was a reaction to an attack on his forces that killed some of his fighters. He said it wasn't an attempt to overthrow the Russian government. Nearly 2 million Muslim pilgrims have officially begun the Hajj pilgrimage. They're making their way out of Mecca after circling Islam's holiest site, the Kaaba, and converging on a vast tent camp in the nearby desert for a day and night of prayer. Some spend years saving up money and waiting for a permit to embark on the journey.
1: I'm at the top of happiness. I have an inner feeling and a feeling that I do not know how to describe. Tears will fall from my eyes out of joy and happiness. I do not sleep. I have not slept for 15 days, only an hour a day. From the magnificent view, and from thinking of the great situation.
3: One of the largest religious gatherings in the world has returned to full capacity this year for the first time since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. A United Nations expert says the U.S. government's treatment of Guantanamo Bay inmates was cruel, inhuman, and degrading under international law. Uh, Fionula Ni Alain has called for Washington to apologize and provide reparations. The UN expert says the detainees suffer various harms at the or suffered various harms at the detention facility in Cuba.
14: I observe that after two decades of custody. The suffering of those detained is profound and it's ongoing. Every single detainee I met with lives with the unrelenting harms that follow from systematic practices of rendition, torture and arbitrary detention.
3: The expert says the U.S. government must urgently provide judicial resolution, apologies and guarantees of non-repetition. A 23-year-old's been sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole after pleading guilty to murder and other crimes at a gay nightclub shooting that killed five people. Anderson Lee Aldrich was charged with 323 criminal counts. Apart from those killed, nearly two dozen others were wounded. Judge Michael Paul McHenry is with the Colorado 4th Judicial District.
8: Mix Aldrich, as I analyze this paperwork, I see that it attempts to reflect your desire to plead guilty to five counts of murder in the first degree, 46 counts of attempted murder in the first degree, and two bias-motivated crimes.
3: Colorado no longer has a death penalty statute. However, Aldrich can face the death sentence in federal court if prosecutors decide to bring charges under the U.S. Code, which still has capital punishment on its books for certain crimes. A U.N. Assistant Secretary General for Africa, Martha, po- uh, Martha has, uh, or rather, says the security situation in the Eastern Democratic Republic of the Congo has continued to deteriorate.
4: The persistent activities of armed groups in South Kivu for the control of mining sites, in particular, Mai Mai Militias, reminds us that it is imperative to resolve the root causes of the conflict in Eastern DRC for peace to be restored. The
3: Aturi region suffered from the security vacuum created by the redeployment of government forces to North Kivu. Armed groups have killed over 600 people in the past three months, and Pobi has welcomed the continued efforts of regional leaders to persuade the concerned parties to implement peace agreements. That's your headline news update. This is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, China signed a liquefied natural gas deal with Qatar. The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour
13: brings you an hour of comprehensive news and information from both China, China, and the rest of the world, the rest of the world. A mix of news, sports, and entertainment, in-depth analysis of the day's big stories, as well as the most comprehensive business of the day. The Beijing Hour, Beijing Hour. Your very own window to China and the rest of the world.
3: 37 past the hour now. In business, stock markets on the Chinese mainland finish higher today. Timothy Pope has more.
16: The Chinese mainland markets reversed their fortunes. The Shanghai Composite Index surged 1.2% and the Shenzhen Component Index rose 1%. Most of the broader sectors were rising, but property and construction stocks were the source of a lot of the market energy. Traders have been speculating on the prospect of uh, restructuring uh, in the sector, and while a lot of these stocks are down very heavily this quarter and this year, uh, the companies themselves do still hold quite a lot of valuable assets. Uh, CZEN Holdings was up by the 10% daily limit. Uh, China Vanka rose 4.2%. We also saw uh, infrastructure to builders rising, China Communications Construction shares uh, added 5.8%, while uh, China Railway Group rose 6.2%. And uh, the state petrochemical giants were rising again as well, uh, as some instability in Russia prompted oil supply concerns. And uh, Saudi Aramco says that it sees solid demand from China in the second half of the year for crude. Uh, Petrochina shares rose uh, 3.6%
3: that was market analyst Timothy Pope in Shanghai. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index was up more than 1.8%. In Japan, the Nikkei dropped around half a percent. China signed a long-term liquefied natural gas deal with Qatar. The deal allows China to boost its energy security and secures a reliable income source for Qatar. Jim Stenman has more.
2: A deal between two regions forming ever closer ties.
3: It's very significant. You know, China is... It's the world's biggest LNG
13: importer, um, maybe second to Japan sometimes, but it will will clearly overtake Japan in the next few years. It's the growth market.
2: And that growth market is one that Qatar, among the world's largest LNG exporters, is keen to tap into, signaling its second major gas supply deal with a Chinese state-owned company in less than a year. This one, a 27-year agreement with China National Petroleum Corporation for 4 million metric tons of liquefied natural gas per year.
8: The second portion really um, was the award of a 1.25% equity portion in phase one of the uh, Qatar Northfield East uh, LNG expansion. Um, that expansion will add a total of 32 million tons per year from 2026. So. Um, CNPC now alongside Sinopec uh, uh, and some of the big Western majors, in, including Total, um, now own um, you know an equity portion in that project.
2: And for Qatar, this latest deal allows the Gulf nation to lock in demand for nearly three decades, at a time when much of the world is trying to move away from fossil fuels.
8: China, this is really strategic too. Because they have now two state companies involved in the first phase of, of the LNG expansion in Qatar.
13: The Chinese economy will you know, presumably continue growing and developing over this time. Its use of gas today is a very small sh- share of total Chinese energy. I mean, it's still colossal, but as a, as a share of the total, it's small. So there's a lot more room for gas to, to expand its use in China.
2: And while there's likely to be more LNG deals between China and the Gulf going forward, Beijing will benefit financially from its ability to sign much longer agreements than European countries that have struggled to replace Russian gas in the wake of the conflict in Ukraine.
13: Europe needs LNG now, but it doesn't think it will need it in the, increasingly in the 2030s and 2040s. I think that's probably mistaken. I think Europe will probably find that it does need gas, but anyway, that's the position that they've taken.
2: For now, though, the LNG deal between Qatar and China is yet another example of the Gulf region's pivot east, with China expected to make up a large chunk of its oil and gas exports in the decades ahead.
3: That was Jim Stenman reporting. China's giant offshore wind turbines, featuring the world's largest per-unit capacity, have been hoisted in place in Fujian province. The 16-megawatt turbines stand at 150 meters above sea level. That's a height roughly equal to that of a 50-story building. Xiao Xiaogang from a company that jointly developed the equipment says, "...the difficulty of heavy lifting is made even more complex by operating offshore." The sea
5: conditions in this area are complicated, so the construction window period is very short for the 16-megawatt wind turbine hoisting. At present, there are 133 workers on the baihe installation platform. They will work in three shifts and maintain continuous installation 24 hours a day to complete the installation of all 16 MV engines by Wednesday.
3: The 16-megawatt wind farm is expected to become China's largest offshore wind turbine plant. Its annual power output is expected to meet the annual demand of 36,000 households, save 22,000 tons of standard coal, and reduce 54,000 tons of carbon dioxide. Technologies enabled many cities in China to solve problems more efficiently. Song Yao Tian visited one business center in Beijing to learn more.
17: Clean streets, pleasant greenery, and posh buildings. This business area cannot be this pleasing to the eyes without effective management behind the scenes. Technology has empowered the process. For example, an AI patrol car with a camera on top is one of some 60 vehicles working on the street. AI patrol car is equipped with a 360-degree camera which can shoot and detect 12 types of road management problems such as cars and bicycles parked in the wrong place or littering. Photos of problems are instantly transmitted to all terminals of the management system such as an iPad in hands of an official. For example, a patrol car reports a case of random parking of shared bicycles. Officials dispatch the task to a nearby worker who will fix it and report to the system
8: when it's done. This car will patrol the whole area four times a day. Each patrol takes about 1.5 to 2 hours and entails 730,000 square meters of road. The car reports about 100 road management problems a day. This is about a workload of 10 people, so it saved the cost while improving efficiency.
17: The AIOT system with a control room in a nearby skyscraper connects all the buildings, vehicles, facilities, and labor. This system is very useful as the management area spans over 9 square kilometers. Officials say without the system, it might take 130 members of staff to manage the area, but now it only takes about 80. Because the system can locate all the staff in real time, it can match the nearest worker to do a task which greatly improves efficiency. Now the
16: system
3: has been used in 48 projects of 36 cities across the country.
17: This smart city program is run by Wanwu, the holding subsidiary of Wanke, one of China's biggest real estate developers. The property services firm launched Hong Kong's largest IPO in 2022 and has expanded into property, community, and city management. The firm launched its first smart city management project in 2018. It has projects in Hengqin Island of Guangdong Province and Xiongan New Area.
3: Now, Song Yeo-chan reporting. Uh, South Koreans are stockpiling sea salt ahead of Japan's planned release of contaminated water from its tsunami-damaged Fukushima nuclear power plant. The bulk buyings led to a dramatic price rise and a shortage of salt. Jack Barton has more from Seoul.
8: A bag of salt at Hanyonggyul's store is now selling for the equivalent of nearly 28 US dollars, up from $16.50 last month.
0: Right now it's not easy to get salt. It's really difficult
8: as there's no salt. The Ministry of Oceans and Fisheries attributes the big price jump this month to a drop in production and bad weather, not Panic buying. Salt traders like Han Yong Gil
0: disagree. The contaminated water to be released by Japan. I think that's the big effect.
8: Japan plans to release more than a million tons of contaminated water from its Fukushima power plant destroyed by a tsunami in 2011. South Korea has pledged to increase the monitoring of salt farms for any rise in radioactive substances and maintain a ban on seafood from waters near Fukushima. There are concerns stockpiling could have a big flow-on impact in a country known for heavily salted preserved food from kimchi to fish.
4: The price has gone up too high. They can't just solve the problem just by buying up salt because all marine products will be contaminated.
11: Lots
10: of people are worried I am worried. But you can't just solve this problem by not eating fish.
8: Shares of salt and seafood manufacturers have rallied in South Korea this month with viral social media posts urging people to continue stockpiling, something likely to cause acute shortages and higher prices ahead.
3: And that was Jack Barton reporting. You're listening to the Beijing Hour coming up in sports. Team China's decisive victory at the Women's Basketball Asian Cup.
13: Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world.
3: 47 minutes past the hour now. And turning to sports, here
5: is Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. The Chinese women's basketball team has bagged its second consecutive win at Asian Cup following an 80-46 round of New Zealand in the group stage. Team China used a 32-7 run in the third quarter to put the game out of sight. Han Xu topped the scoreboard with 17 points and 13 rebounds. China next faces South Korea. Victor Wimbenyama says he won't play with the French national basketball team at this year's FIBA World Cup in order to protect his still-developing body. The NBA number 1 draft pick says he will instead take that time to continue preparing for his rookie season with the San Antonio Spurs. The tournament starts on August 25th and will have France among the medal favorites. Meantime, LA Lakers forward Rui Hachimura has confirmed that he will not play with Japan at home hosting World Cup. Corner McDavid has won his third Hart Trophy as NHL MVP, falling one vote short of unanimous this selection after the highest scoring season by a player in more than 25 years. The Edmonton Oilers captain led the league with 64 goals, 89 assists, and 153 points. McDavid also won Ted Lindsay Award as the NHL's most outstanding player, as voted by his peers. I want to say thank you to Mr. Lindsay for giving the players a voice and all that you've done for players, both past and present. I want to say thank you to the players around the league. This award is obviously voted on by you guys. been up here a few times to accept this, and I'm so honored. I really feel like this is the most prestigious award we give out here tonight. So thank you guys so much. It's a privilege to share the ice with you guys. McDavid is still searching for his first Stanley Cup title after Edmonton lost in the second round of the playoffs to eventual champions Vegas. Real Madrid has extended Luka Modric's contract keeping the veteran midfielder for another season. The 37-year-old will play his 12th season with Madrid. Last week, Real also agreed to extend the contract of Toni Kroos until the end of the 2023-24 campaign. The moves allow Madrid to keep two of its most experienced players in the midfield that will be refreshed by the current recent signing of 19-year-old Chad Bellingham. Lionel Messi played in a tribute match to honour former Argentine football star Juan Roman Recolme, who retired in 2014. With a nine-year delay, Buenos Aires Boca Juniors honoured its current vice president in a 5-3 game against Argentine squad. Argentina stars past and the present turned out at the stadium, including Messi, with a new inter-Miami player squaring once. FIFA has announced that the Saudi Arabian city of Jeddah will host the 2023 Club World Cup. Jeddah is the home of Saudi champion Al-Ittihad that has signed Karim Benzema. Al-Ittihad will join the six continental club champions, including Champions League winner Manchester City, for the December tournament. It will be the last edition in that format before the 32-team version launches in 2025 in the United States. In the inaugural Olympic Esports Week, saw Just Dance as one of the ten events contested in Singapore. As esports have been included as a demonstration sports at the Paris 2024 Olympics, French player Amandine Morissette clinched the first Olympic title in the popular video game. Miro Lu has more. The winner, first place of this series,
11: Amandine Morisset, A.K.A. the Fairy Dina is a celebrity in the Just Dance community. She's a three-time champion of the Just Dance World Cup in France. She has 215,000 subscribers on her YouTube channel following her every move. As she danced off against the US champion Joseph Aslano at the inaugural Olympic Esports Series in Singapore, Dina officially became an Olympic world champion. Almost everyone I spoke to this evening told me that they couldn't believe this is really happening. Their beloved video game is now an Olympic sport. Just Dance is the number one music video game of all time with more than 80 million copies sold since 2009 and more than 140 million players worldwide.
7: I believe that the fact that it's about dancing, that it's very visual, it really creates a unique atmosphere. It's uh, it's very colorful, it has very positive values.
11: Carl and Remy are die-hard fans of the game and active members of the community. I often play Just Dance It's about more than 10 years. And I'm really, excited. I'm really so glad that this is my a really hobby for me. We want to see a lot of people
5: playing dancing. I really enjoy uh, the game, and because of Just Dance, I, I made a lot of friends around the world.
11: Just Dance is one of the 10 esports represented in the first ever Olympic Esports Week. Eight players from different countries, including France, the US, China, and Singapore, competed at the finals.
5: That was Miro Lu on the Olympic eSports week in Singapore. And finally in tennis, Chinese men's players Jun Chen and Buying Chocter have failed to reach the Wimbledon main draw after respective losses in the qualification first round. Shang took the first set and was leading 3-1 in the second, but gave away the advantage in a three-set loss to Matthew Arnaldi. Buying Chocter also fell in a three-set battle against Rafael Corrion and will still need to await his Grand Slam main draw debut. Meantime, Wu Yibin crashed early and Easterborn opened after two tiebreaks losses to eighth seed
3: Muma Kecmanovic. Thank you very much. That was Yangguang with Sports. This is the Beijing Hour, and coming up in Culture, a children's art festival in Beijing. The Beijing Hour. Hello, I'm Peter Dinklage from X Men Days of Future Past. You
2: are listening to the Beijing Hour.
4: Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman, and you're listening to the Beijing Hour.
5: Hi, everyone. I'm Lang Lang. Welcome to the Beijing Hour.
12: The Beijing Hour, your window to China and the world.
3: At 53 past the hour, the Forbidden City Concert Hall will launch the Gateway to Art Summer Festival in Beijing. The annual event is one of Beijing's biggest arts festivals for children during summer vacation. It'll kick off on Sunday with a concert by the Beijing Symphony Orchestra. Through the end of August, the festival will stage 76 shows, bringing a wide range of art forms including classical music, traditional Chinese operas, dance, jazz, and even puppet shows. For the first time, the festival will involve visits to cities outside, Outside Beijing including the neighboring uh, Tianjin and Tangshan. Audiences craving the magic of performing arts are flocking back to theaters across Shanghai. Hundreds of performances are taking place every month in the city, marking a significant increase even compared with the pre-pandemic time. Uh, these include the Chinese version of the musical Hamlet and the first-ever ballet version of the Phantom of the Opera. Lei Shiran spoke with the directors of these performances.
9: William Shakespeare's timeless masterpiece, Hamlet, has been transformed into a captivating Chinese
0: musical.
2: People usually pay more attention to Hamlet's hesitations, struggles, and thirst for revenge. But I realized that Claudius, who is Hamlet's uncle, is a character who connects everyone together, including Hamlet, Laertes, Polonius, and Ophelia. So I deleted some sideline stories, including 14 characters from the original play.
9: Director Xu envisions this modern rendition of Hamlet with symphonic music and a touch of rock and roll. The contemporary essence of the production extends to the costumes and stage designs, which are characterized by an abstract style that evokes the grandeur of classic Chinese ink paintings known as Xie Yi. A breathtaking ballet performance based on the Phantom of the Opera novel debuted at Shanghai International Dance Center. Presented by Shanghai Ballet, it was choreographed and directed by Derek Dean. In this production, Christine's aspirations have shifted from becoming a renowned soprano to pursuing a career as a ballerina. Shanghai Ballet's principal dancers Wu Husheng and Qi Bingxue take on the lead roles of the Phantom and Christine.
8: The thing that attracted me the most was the obviously the character, the main character. He's a very dual personality because of his disfigurement and his life and being hidden all the time. And he's a very angry young man because of that, but also he's a very sad, sympathetic young man. So there's so many emotions in that main character.
9: Since 2000, the British choreographer has been collaborating with a local troupe, resulting in the creation of six works, including Camellias, as well as renditions of Tchaikovsky's timeless classics, The Nutcracker and Swan
11: Lake. About ten years ago, we started
17: our own adaptations of classics with the addition of Haipai, or Shanghai-style culture. They include Jane Eyre, Hamlet, Romeo and Juliet, Camellias, and now the Phantom of the Opera. We've tailored them for Shanghai Ballet. All of our works are very much connected with high pi culture, which is elegant
3: and exquisite. And that was uh, Shanghai Ballet Director Xin Li Li ending the story on the opera perform- uh, performances in Shanghai. An art museum named after renowned ink painter uh, Liu Kun has uh, recently been unveiled in Chengde, Hebei province. The gallery displays more than 180 artworks in five showrooms. His studio is also being recreated at the museum, where he produced several important works. Hundreds of paper pandas designed by renowned artist Han Mei Lin are on display at a museum in Beijing. The Han Mei Lin Museum opened in 2008 and now covers 25,000 square meters with 10 exhibition halls. The museum has just celebrated its 15th anniversary and the renovated and upgraded museum has officially reopened to the public. 58 past the hour. Beijing's at 26 degrees overnight. Tomorrow, light rain turning to cloudy with a high of 31. Chongqing's at 28 this evening. Uh, tomorrow's overcast turning to moderate rainfall with a high of 34. Last is 14 overnight. Showers turning to light rain in 24. Hong Kong is 27 this evening, then cloudy in 32. Elsewhere, uh, Tokyo is 23 overnight. Tomorrow we'll have uh, a light rain and 30. Islamabad's at 21 tonight, then uh, rainfall in 34. Bangkok's 26 this evening, then some rain and 35. In Africa, Nairobi is getting a light rain and 24 degrees. And finally to Oceania, Sydney's at 9 this evening. Uh, Tomorrow we'll have light rain with a high of 11. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, the Chinese premiers addressed the opening of the World Economic Forum's summer Davos meeting in Tianjin, and Russia's president's given Wagner Group fighters three options following the incident over the weekend. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigam in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.